What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Brooks McDonald Show, Brooks McDonald Podcast. You never remember one, which one it is on there. Hey, just keep flip flopping until we get it right. <laughs> it's either or. Okay. I think it's podcast actually on the. Yeah, it, it's it's. Pod- yeah. Well, thank you for. Uh, I'm gonna... <laughs> it's your show, though. You do whatever you want. <laughs> well, thanks for being here with us. Um, we always love to have different topics to discuss. And today, uh, we're going to spend a few minutes talking about the tough one. Uh, money and nah. contentment. Yeah. And maybe a little bit of hierarchy in there uh, as we as we consider all things. So, um, yeah, if, if you're new to the show, we try to spend some time talking about different topics that we see in the world and leadership, but also in Christianity and through the lens of Christianity. Uh, and we're not biblical scholars. We're just two normal guys that work in the business world. Um, but that, that's what we need more. We need more of this is talking about real life uh, and not just uh, a lot of people go to church on Sunday, hear the sermon, that's it. And then it's yeah. there. But we need to be discussing it about every aspect of life. And so um, as we talk about the challenge of money. And even in our last podcast, we talked for just a minute about easier for the rich man to pass through the eye of a needle. Yes. And a camel. That gummit said it again. <laughs> for a camel to pass through the, the eye of a needle, needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And that verse for uh, just a second, even if you look at it, it's a really neat. Tally did a great job cropping in this photo of what they believe yeah. the eye of the needle gate was. And so, because uh, we talked about like the church having a lot of difficulties and we have it really easy today. Yes. And we kind of touched on some yeah. of the contentment and some of the. Yeah, revisiting that know, for some a of second. That, but maybe diving a little bit deeper on yeah. this one. But revisiting to start, if you are in America listening to this, then you are in the top 1% of wealth in the world. When it compares to what was it that the average person lives off of a I day? Think it, it may have changed now, but it used to be a lot of the world lives on less than two dollars a day. Yeah, two dollars like a huge a day. amount of the world. Yeah, and I just I get a message from a uh, missionary in India quite regularly, Pakistan, and lost a couple family members during the COVID. Now it's typhoid that the mother's dealing with. And I just, I saw a picture and all it was, it was like, I think basically like an IV in the arm with like an ace bandage wrapped around, but it looked like just like a, a, just a basic syringe stuck in there that's slowly pushing. Just the quality of care is so low. Um, And that's what we, I I don't want to beat that horse so much. So if you come on the list, it's like, oh my God, thanks, Brooke. Just made me feel bad. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's what I come here for, but that's really not it at all. Um. It's actually the other extreme, which is most of us, I grew up in, in a mindset of um, you know the capitalistic society of America that you make more money, uh, that's happiness, and money brings happiness, and everything's good if you make more money. And um, there's aspects of that that are, you can kind of find truth in. Yeah, but you, you don't have to worry as much about bills, but 
you take one responsibility for the other, right? And then you yeah. start worrying about having enough and yes. how will I steward this? And yeah, you know, and then you start buying things and and you but have money to take care of those. Money things. doesn't equal happiness. No. Look at scripture that says the love of money is evil. The love of money is evil. Yeah, not that money is And itself. then we go to the worldly statement of money will buy happiness. And we kind of compare those two things. And um, just personally for me, as I set out in the business world, and it, it wasn't, I, I look back and like I have to like defend myself. It wasn't like based on, I'm just going to make as much money as I can. But you just, you have that driver. I think there's a lot of health. And if you look at the economy as health, in the economics of America, it's healthy to have people that want to go out and work hard. And with that hard exchange energy with money, and that energy, money is a form of energy, a lot of people you'll hear them say, um, and do really well at that. And also, there's a game to it, if you will, as to where when I started in business, it was like, how do I figure this thing out? Much like Monopoly, how do I do this to where it, it, it benefits the most and is most financially the highest financial incentive all while if in order for me to do that you have to take good care of your clients take good care of your people because if that doesn't work it won't last long so you have to do it long lasting in a way that doesn't a flash in the pan and to um percentage wise of the u.s that's that i've accomplished that Uh, when it when you compare that my individual experience to uh, economically to the nation and you put me in percentages if you try to put me in a box nobody puts baby in the corner <laughs> but they put me in the box yeah. and my uh obsessively i was a finance major so i would be obsessively so about money not like thinking about money but like budgeting making sure i was doing it right being very attentive to how that worked what what all that did, what a PL a profit and loss statement looks like, and how that performs. And I told myself at that point, if I get to this figure, if I get to this way of life, I couldn't imagine one sadness I could ever have. Everything would be perfect. Life would be grand. I would have no want for anything. And shame on me if I got there and I would ever want anything else because I accomplished what my 18, 20, 22-year-old self said was the thing. And upon accomplishing that and completing that, I I have a unique benefit of sitting here, still Lord willing with a lot of life left, and saying, hey, that doesn't do it. Like It can do a lot of great things. Um, and I kind of joke, say like, I always think about this, uh, a listener be like, Oh, I'm so sorry. You actually like accomplished all that stuff and you still feel bad. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sad for you. How about you give it to me and let me figure that out? And there may be some of that opinion. Um, but there's a truth of listening to people that have gone before you. And there's a lot of people that are gone way before me down the road. Uh, but I've also gone before a lot of people and trying to give wise advice. And Tyler, for you, you know, in your upbringing and growing up, you didn't grow up in a impoverished family. No, not by any means. Not by any means. I would challenge in some ways probably were seen uh, by peers in school and such as the opposite mm-hmm. of impoverished, right? Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. And and so you, you walk through that experience and uh, 
we we were talking a little bit before this recording and just trying to think about as Christians and and where God has called us and where his heart is for us. It doesn't have to do with how much money you have. It's your relationship with him and finding contentment in the walk and in the journey that he takes you on. Because there's two balances. You grew up in some ways experiencing at some point some parts of your upbringing in churches, not where you're at currently, but before, kind of a health-wealth gospel. I mean, yeah. It actually was. Yeah. Fair enough? Yeah, because it definitely. And I always go back to, like you said, we were talking earlier, and, and money is a tool. And, and our relationship with money is where things go sideways, not necessarily that money is bad or wrong or evil in any way, shape, or form. And growing up and kind of disguised, if you don't know, a lot of a lot of the prosperity gospel is is disguised around the faith message. And there's some good stuff there, but it definitely can veer off into a into the ditch of becoming the focus goes off of God and how do we stand in faith and, and live in faith with God to what can I do to get God to give me what I want? Yeah. And it's a sad thing, but it it you start to twist scriptures and you start to do these things of I want this and I want that. I need this. I really need a new car. And I it, and you stop focusing on trying to pursue a healthy, balanced relationship with God and other people. And you start to focus your prayer life becomes all about what can I get? Yeah. And what what do I perceive that I need that what I don't need? And and you know, I thought about this when you were talking about, you know, somebody coming at you, oh, it must be so hard to have all this money. But if you really turn it around, anybody in this country that, like you said at the beginning, anybody in this country that would say that, you're in the same situation to most of the world looking at you. And, yeah. and can you say that you're fully content and, right. and happy with where you're at? Or do you want a little bit more? Because yeah. that's what I always grew up with. And, you, you know, we talked about yeah. others, but what's enough? It's just yeah. a little bit more. Yeah. That's and what's that's, enough. Uh, I to think the world. of this movie quote, and, and in this movie relationship, if you think of, uh, well, I've set the stage in the movie Wall Street, love movies. First Wall Street came out in mid, early 80s, Gordon Gecko. But then this Wall Street 2 comes out where Shia LaBeouf plays Gordon, is marrying Gordon Gecko's son. He's trying to make it in Wall Street up and coming. Josh Brolin is this super wealthy billionaire hedge fund manager. And he messed over Josh uh, Shia LaBeouf's company and his godfather. And so he goes back to get him. And so he finds himself in this mansion sitting with Josh Brolin, his character, and talking to him because he's gotten his attention now because he ruffled his feathers enough by messing him up and losing enough money. He's like, you got my attention. Congratulations. And Shia LaBeouf asks him, what's your number? Everybody's got a number. There's always a number someone has where you just walk away. What would it be for you? And Josh Brolin turns and he's got this like red, I think, suede suit on. I remember like a leisure jacket. Literally, there's a painting of one of the, one of the, uh, ancient gods not the god we know but one god eating another eating his son like in this power move a whole all power and he turns and looks at him with a smirk he goes more always more and i think that it's not intended to be from a spiritual perspective but if you think of what satan would want us to do what answer does he want us to is never be fulfilled yeah always chase oh yes let it always be more where the gospel says the opposite of always be content yeah. Always be centered in God. Always be happy with the place that you're in. Yeah. And stewarding it well. I mean, there's 
we've talked about this, but the, the parable of the talents is about stewarding the place you're in well, but you also need to be content in the place that you're in and, and not make the focus the next plateau because, you know, I just watched something recently. It was a YouTuber and he gained, he's young. He gained a lot of followers. He gained a lot of money. You know, he's 21. He's going, I have a beautiful fiance. I have more money than I could ever think of know what to do with. I have all this fame. I've gotten everywhere I wanted to go. And I'm sitting by myself weeping because he realized I have put everything into this chase. I got there and it's so empty because it just didn't fulfill him. And he was talking about his, his yeah. personal walk because it happened to be his, his fiance girlfriend who was, it was saved and he was an atheist and she slowly led him to the Lord. Um, and he's, he's like, that's where I find all my joy. It's not all this other stuff. I've experienced it. It's useless. And you know, you don't, you've, you've experienced a lot of it. I've witnessed a lot of it and I can see where it's very easy as myself, even thinking of what I make now, what I do now. And, Oh, I just, I just need a little bit more. I just need a little bit more. When three years ago, I would have been like, man, if I could, if I was at that place, that's I'd be exactly cruising. right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah. that was, yeah, and I, I don't know where my mindset is because, again, you'll never actually get there, but happening to have set a goal and then reach it, it's a scary piece, and it kind of reminds me of what you were just saying about that God speaking was um, you when you hit that goal that you had, that's when it's even scarier that some people never get to realize or, or keep chasing, like, oh, I don't believe you, but, but <laughs> I wish you would, that once you hit that number – you realize the destination was never it. There was really never a destination because a, a financial destination void of the Lord is is a bottomless pit. It's infinitely deep. And um, there's something incredible though when there's a financial gain and you know it's from God. Yeah, like you know you've you've seeked out after Him. You've submitted in Him. You've allowed him to work out the situation and the, the place. I've been there in the last couple of years and watched him work out things for your financial benefit, but you know it's from him yeah. and you didn't achieve it. It yeah. is, it is, it, it's something that if you've never experienced it, I hope you do seek the Lord and sure. find it because there's such a peace and a wonderful thing in knowing that God got you to that place and it wasn't your setting the goal and you achieved it. Because I think that's where a lot of hollowness comes from and a lot of more, more, more comes from. Again, the goal, the, those are good things. But knowing that there's a walk and a, and a relationship with God along the way. Well, and there's a, there's a so balance. And key. Scripture talks about the balance. Because you grew up in sometimes in the health wealth gospel. I also grew up in some where it was like, you don't even talk about wealth. Like, and that's You can almost interpret it as the preacher speaking that it's evil. Wealth itself is evil. And there, but scripture speaks of that balance, which you hinted on earlier, which is God, God can do amazing things and give you unbelievable financial blessings. He could put me in a, in a situation millions of times more than what I could have ever imagined, but he's more concerned about your heart and where you're at. And I think as a child, it's a, there's another book I was reading and it's that whole, I think I've hinted it here before the whole lottery effect is why would you how detrimental is it if you had your child and all of a sudden you dumped ten million dollars on their shoulders? They weren't prepared. They were never educated. What typically will happen to them? And a lot of times, it's nothing good. A blessing and too early is a curse. God doesn't want you you to be in that situation. And so, but you may get it. You may ask for it and get it. Truly, uh, beyond that. But he 
as he's our father and he's walking alongside of us and he doesn't want to see us suffering and be in pain. And so he wants our heart to be ready, not just to make him more money or, well, it is to make him look good. He does want us to make him look good, to be a servant, but not to be in pain ourselves also and in a suffering manner. And so that's that those balance pieces of getting your heart right, getting your focus right, as much for God as for yourself as well yeah. to to enjoy life and to joy enjoy where you're at to stop and smell the roses, but also and so you can be in a place that God will use you uh, for more to serve Him. I, I'm good enough at myself, like um, to take care of myself. Like I could twist those words in my head, like Lord, I need more, so I can just serve you more. But give me more. Can I have more though? Can you give me more? And like, yeah, you know, there's a heart piece there. But to truly say, God, I'm your servant. I want to be able to help you. Father, I've seen some really weird stuff. I've been put in situations that I've seen money disappear through my hands or or potential of really bad things happening. And maybe because of that wisdom I learned, I may be in a situation where I will do better with money than somebody else to serve you. Because it's about the service. And I like what you said earlier. Money is a tool. It's just bizarre because it is it is the starting point for any actual tool you touch. A shovel digs a hole, you need a you need to access a pipe underground. At our new house we're building, I had to dig into it and I found my shovel. I had money that I bought the shovel with. Money is just a lu- liquid form to be able to get you any tool you need. There's always this capitalistic statement of, yeah, but you'll cry less in a Corvette or Ferrari than you will in a Pinto or whatever. And I remember seeing that. And there's some, maybe some moments where you laugh more in those things. But I tell you, the weight of it, I, I don't have never owned a Ferrari. I'd love to have a Corvette one day. Uh, I, I doubt I'll have a Ferrari, but um, the weight of it, um, you need to be careful what you wish for. And I wish that that just makes sense. I mean, one of my truest forms that, you know, Southern redneck in some ways, you know, when you get to a certain point and you want to be able to enjoy things, we we have a home on the water. So we bought a boat, but then we bought a couple jet skis, all sounding good, right? I mean, we've enjoyed it. We've had friends, family, really good adventures. <laughs> Me and Tyler were out on it last week and uh, one started taking on water and yeah. we had that's a, a really, <laughs> <laughs> that's a story. Yeah. That's in the middle of an insurance claim right now. Uh, that was bizarre, but um, if but you're you not talked careful, about even, yeah, the, if the, you're not careful, the weight of now yeah. for me, now I'm a certain Enneagram type piece, but now I have three engines sitting on, on a salt brackish saltwater bayou. And now I've got to think about taking care of three engines besides my cars. And again, I know you'll say, well, that just must be hard, but I'm trying to give you important lines to think about is too much is given much is expected when you go buy more stuff it can eat you alive that's why you a lot of times see people that have been really smart and had wealth or lineages that have had it that actually did well they'll have less or live in smaller places because they realize it's not having a whole bunch of stuff that you got to keep up with and maintain uh, because you feel the weight of it you worked hard to make that then you use your hard-earned money to do that you want to make sure you keep up with it it doesn't rust it doesn't be wasteful. Um, and so you you start to experience that side of it. But some people haven't. I remember when I was 16 and I had not experienced any of those things. And I, 
it never occurred to me that that would be something in my head. I would just think, well, your brain doesn't go there. Your brain doesn't think about oil changes on a marine engine. Or worrying about you sinking in the middle of the bay. Or worrying about you sinking in the middle of the bay. It's always just, everything's perfect then. Everything's good. And everything has been really good. But I tell you, the one thing that when we go to um, contentment and we think about that, I think our daily challenge goes back to that we have health. And I've, the, the idea that you woke up this morning, if you did, healthy, moderately healthy. You got an ankle that's tweaked. I got acid reflux that I can't seem to kick at times, self-inflicted or not. But we woke up and we're able to get up and walk around. And some people say on the, on the other side of the ground. Just the uh, gift of life. The gift of life. I used that to we work next to a cancer center, and you walk out of the room or walk out of your office and see that every day. And yeah, it's it's, it's a nice reminder sometimes that hey, you know, there's people having a way worse day than me. And even still, I, I had somebody pose this question to me, and it was pretty challenging because that it, it, he's like, well, you know, you talk about we talk about like you know achieving the next thing or this that or what are you doing? But what would happen if you were like paralyzed from the neck down? You couldn't do anything ever again. You couldn't mix. You couldn't, you know, do a podcast. You could you couldn't do anything. You were just stuck. What would your relationship with God look like? Yeah. And I was like, well, that kind of hits you in the face. Cause yeah. it really brings it down to, you know, what if I can't do these doings are good, but you know, we have to remember that it isn't the focus or the point. Sure. That even if you're at the point of literally not being able to move. It's still about God. Yeah. And that's still the center of it all. Yeah. And and then using that ability, whatever you have, to serve. Yeah. Because we the other side of it is being able to serve. Yeah, because it brings to you to a serve. gratitude point. So you can go, this is, it's even more important. I face that so that I can use my abilities for good. Yeah. In a, in a good way, in a healthy sure. way, in a contextual way. You know, it's kind of like facing the demon kind yeah. of thing. And so whether it be from a tithing perspective or finding a special... Um, group that you can donate money to and you know it'll I've, i have had that other blessing where there's been some organizations that i saw a need in and i got to be the one to make a phone call and change a small organization's world and i was a small player in that um i i was just blessed and i was able to give the blessing out of obedience and in that obedience was able to do great things. And and they were so thankful, but I'm so thankful for them because there's a lot of people who have talents and abilities beyond what I could in that area of need. And I'm so happy that I can get it from myself to them to put it to the use that I know they'll be able to put it to. Um, But yeah, around service. And again, it's not necessarily just to buy more boats or jet skis is to find ways to financially help other people. Um, but I just warn you that if you look and like, yeah, well, uh, exactly. You know, I, uh, you make more money, you should have given away. Shame on you for buying stuff. Be careful until you've walked in those shoes, until you've been down that path. But also, wherever the socioeconomic background you grew up in, that gives you typically your comfort level of judging other people and how they should spend their money. And that's totally all over the board, depending on where you grew up. It's a relative experience. But I've learned over time, too, is don't pass judgment on somebody because they have so many things greater than you. Always challenge. Sometimes you see someone that um, uh, you know lives in a million-dollar house or $10 million house, 
but they um, they have you know sometimes five hundred million dollars that they were able to do. So what percentage of five hundred million is ten million? That's two percent. Two percent of five hundred million is ten million. If they spent ten million dollars on a house, yet a majority of America, where I grew up, let's say in a two hundred thousand dollar house, um, they don't have two hundred thousand in savings, or maybe in their four hundred one k by later on, and it's a hundred percent, and maybe even two hundred and fifty percent of their annual income is the mortgage they're taking out. Now you would challenge that that's not relevant. But I'm going to flip it on his head and say that it is. That Howard, you have a right to pass judgment. I do believe, like when we go back to the the rich young ruler that came to Christ, some people want to interpret that exact story as everyone's. But it's God knew his heart and challenged him on the love of money, and he went away sad because he couldn't do that. But that's not everyone's story. We're just called to give and called to serve. And sometimes there's the other extreme where God gives us so much ability that you don't want to let him down. And so you feel this overwhelming need to go and do bigger and bigger to live out your potential. Your talents in that version, talents was a financial term in the Bible, but a lot of churches will use that as your abilities, uh, your gifts. And um, there is a there is a rhythm to that process. It's not just about... Um, making more in heartache, which is what we've talked about. Sometimes it's about enjoying the race as you go. Uh, I think God wants us to stop and smell the roses along the way, along that journey. That's about contentment and joy and peace and rest. And if it's about burning the candle at both ends, working 80 hours a week, and you're not seeing your family, you're not pouring into the community, that is not what God has called you to do. It's not. Now, if you're busting your tail 80 hours a week and you're to get food on your family's table to do what you got to do, you know, we've he's called us to work alongside our family, to take care of our family, to be the heads of our household and things. But if it's just to make your storehouses bigger, it's not what he's called you to, friend. You I have keep, to have a balance. Yeah. I keep thinking in my head, just everyone can check their own heart. Yes. Everyone, I wrote this on a post last week, but, you know, challenge yourself to sit down and ask God. Is money getting in the way of our relationship? I think that's a and good. I don't care segue. what level you're on, whether you're you're broke and you want more of it, and that's the problem. You got way too much of it, and you don't care about God because it's your bank account's your reliance. Yeah, you got to check your own heart. No, that's. I think that's a great way to wrap it up. Is this is a singular discussion? Don't get caught up staring at other people. Social media makes it really easy. We call it digital pacifiers. It's a great way to keep you from chasing what God's has in your in store for you instead of worrying and longing for other people, coveting what they may have instead of focusing on your journey. And um, so I hope this has helped you to challenge yourselves more than anything. Um, I'll close us in prayer. Father, I just pray that um, in these discussions that you pierce us where we need to be pierced, that you challenge us where we need to be challenged. Sometimes, Lord, your voice is in a still, small whisper. And if we have the loudness around us too much of the world, we can't hear it. So God, help us to turn down the volume, to look to you, to open our hearts, to say, Father, how would you have us live? How would you have us serve you? Not around guilt and shame, but out of an abundant desire to serve you and to give to others. And we pray that in your name, in your son's name. Amen. Thank you for being here. 
we'd appreciate uh, the time uh, if you drop a, a like or share this and really hearing feedback from you all who've listened um, or a follow means the world to us. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks.